0: What was Grandpa like whenever you were my age? I don't know. He's like a dad. Did Grandpa make you listen to this terrible music? You mean did he culture me? You bet he did. Did Grandpa get lost too? Sometimes. We're not lost. Calculating route to your destination. You will arrive in approximately two days, three hours. What's your license insurance. <laughs> Did uh, Grandpa have a lead foot too? Amen. Mm. Grandpa teach to pray forever every meal like that for every meal. Did Grandpa do that too? Yeah. Grow up. What's with all the lollygagging? I'm not paying you guys to sit around and look at pictures. Chop, chop! My stuff's not gonna get to a condo on the golf course by itself. Has Grandpa always been so. bossy? Always. Is he actually paying us? Not a chance. You really are a lot like him, aren't you? Well, welcome back to the conclusion of our melodrama. Pastor Keith's airport meltdown (laughs) when last we saw our hero he was near the gate at the airport with all of those out of breath adults and students as they just missed their flight on their way home from their mission trip as Pastor Keith was boiling over in anger and resentment toward the airline that has just become a four letter word to him the students and adults formed a circle with him And the inevitable question was raised, what now? And one of the students responded, why don't we pray about it? Now, I have to wonder if there aren't at least a few of you that came back today to see how the story ends. (laughs) In fact, I've already heard a few of you saying, I better hear the end of this story before the sermon is over today. I promise you'll hear the end of the story before the end of the sermon is done. However, let me bring up two quick things. First thing, it's funny how God expects you to listen to your own sermon. This week, I've been in contact with the rental car company for the van that we're supposed to take on the mission trip. And they are playing some games with us. I rented this van in February. And they're going, well, we're not sure we're going to have a van for you. Now, Pastor Keith could respond like he did back then. (laughs) uh, Or Pastor Keith could listen to his own sermon. So Pastor Keith is going to listen to his own sermon. And here's what I'm going to suggest. That all of us pray about this issue, that God is going to work behind the scenes and work out whatever details need to be worked out so that we have the transportation that we need to leave next Sunday. Can we all do that? Okay. Second thing I want to do right now is I want to do a little bit of a review, okay? Okay. So we began this little mini-series last week, and we're going to conclude it today, about this phenomenon known as being a Christian atheist. And the title of the message is borrowed from this book right here, The Christian Atheist by Craig Groeschel. Uh, He and I had considered similar ideas. He reached a little broader than I did. Um, He took one approach to the topics, And I took a slightly different approach, looking at these things through the lens of God's character. So last week we talked about how easy it is to be a believer in God, to have your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and still act as if God does not exist when worry overtakes us. At that point, we basically effectively become Christian atheists. Too often, worry comes, uh, excuse me, when worry comes, we either try and deal with it ourselves rather than trust that God has it under control, or we mull things over and mull things over and mull things over and mull things over to the point where we get locked in this space of indecision. Now, I do want to say I do understand that there are folks that face legitimate issues with anxiety and that can actually be debilitating for some people. I'm not referring to people who have a legitimate issue here. I'm referring to all the rest of us who wind up becoming these worst case scenario worry wards. To overcome this, we talked about trusting in God's sovereignty in three different ways. Trusting in his promises, trusting in his provision, and trusting in his power. All of which I was not doing as our flight was delayed on the way home from that mission trip. But not only that, I wasn't even speaking to the one person who had the power and authority to do anything about it. Because I was mad. So last week I mentioned that we would be considering two complementary ideas. Last week's topic was worry. How worry can push us into being a Christian atheist. This week's topic is prayer. And those two kind of go hand in hand. But sometimes we can believe in God, but we don't really believe in prayer. While I was standing in the airport, joining the students in this circle, trying to figure out what to do next, I will admit that prayer was the farthest thing from my to-do list. And if I'm being honest, the very first thing on my to-do list was to go find an airport or airline employee and help them to feel my pain, okay? I had been so worried and focused on fixing the problem on my own that the one thing that I should have been doing that should have been first on my heart, prayer, was the furthest thing from my heart. Because worry can either lead you to the heart of God in prayer or worry can drive you from prayer and from the heart of God. And sadly, that's the bus that I chose to get on and cruise right away from God. Which may have had more to do with me being angry than worried, but either way, it was still putting me in the position of being a Christian atheist because I was not praying the way I should have. Now, it brings up an interesting question. What are some of the reasons that we do not pray? For me, at that moment, it was specific circumstances. That was affecting my desire to pray. But I hear lots of Christians who say, you know what, I don't pray, or I don't pray enough, or I wish I prayed more, I wish I knew how to pray better, or so on and so forth. They have all of these different things that they say, and there can be a lot of reasons why we either personally or as Christians in general don't pray. And we're going to look at a few of these along the way. There's no way that we could get through all of these different reasons. But rather than looking at them in the negative of here's why we don't pray, what I want to do is look at them through the lens of the character of God. So I'm going to submit to you a thought that uh, there's three characteristics of God that we're going to take a look at today that will help us to become Better prayers. It's going to help remove this idea or this feeling of becoming a Christian atheist when it comes to prayer and actually motivate us to prayer. So those three character qualities of God, the transcendence and imminence of God, the father heart of God, and the power of God. That's our three that we're going after. So the very first one, the transcendence and imminence of God. Number one, yes, I'm cheating. I just stuck two character qualities of God in the first point. That's okay. Um, Big, fancy-sounding theological terms, transcendence and imminence, but I'm going to reduce them to their most basic qualities here for what we're talking about. Transcendence refers to God's incomparability or otherness. And then... Imminence refers to God's nearness or his presence. So God's transcendence, his otherness. God is completely separate and distinct from his creation. He is not like you or I. He is much higher above us. The Bible uses terms like exalted, in heaven above Enthroned on high, the Almighty, the Most High God. Uh, We even used this verse last week. We'll use it again this week. Psalm chapter 2, verse 4, says this, The one enthroned in heaven laughs, the Lord scoffs at them. Now, last I checked, none of us are enthroned in heaven above. That is a position that is reserved for God alone. But the Bible goes on and he continues, God continues to describe himself as being so different from us that in many respects he is incomprehensible. So Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. Verses will be on the screen. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths are beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Here's the thing, guys. This verse tells us we do not understand God's mind. We are not his counselor. We never have been. And no offense, everybody, we never will be. We just don't have that. And then he also says that we could not possibly give anything to God to put God into our debt. And I want to camp on this for just an extra second, because there are so many people who tend to think this way, especially when it comes to prayer. God, I'm going to do this thing for you if you do this thing for me right? Like this is going to put God in our debt. Whatever we do over here, God's suddenly going to say, oh my goodness, I have to do this for you now. If God does this over here, it doesn't matter whether you did that over here or not. It's because God chose to do this over here because the God is in charge. We can't do anything to put him in our debt. People think that way, especially when it comes to salvation, too. Like, God, I'm going to do all these good things, and then you're going to let me into heaven, right? Nope, yeah. don't work that way. Okay? Does not work that way. It is only through Jesus Christ. Then we move on. It also says that we give him glory because he is the only one that glory is due. We talked last week about Michael Jordan and LeBron James, two of undoubtedly the best basketball players in history. They have a certain measure of glory because that glory comes from their skills on the basketball court. However, they do not deserve the same kind of glory that God deserves. They will never get that same kind of glory that God deserves because God is completely different and separate and other and apart from who we are. But God is also imminent. He is also near to us. Early in the Old Testament, God proclaimed that he would be with Israel and that they would be his people. Exodus chapter 6 verse 7. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. In this verse, you are now seeing God's desire for his nearness to his creation. He says, I will take you as my people. I desire to have you as my special people. That was just simply God's choice. He desired that to be close to his people. You do also see his transcendence or his otherness. He says, I will be your God. I am the Lord, your God. I am different. I am separate. While I want to be close, I am still God. But maybe the best example for God's imminence is a name that we usually hear around Christmas time. Emmanuel, God with us. That is how much God desired to be with us, is that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to walk this earth just as you and I do in a skin suit, in a human suit. He walked this earth for 33 years, eventually dying on the cross for our sins. He desired to be with us, to be close to us. Now, When I was younger, prayer used to be kind of a boring thing to me. It was kind of a chore. Okay? Anybody else ever feel that? Okay, you can all just stare at me. (laughs) I would have times when my mind would wander all over the place, and to be honest, I still have times when my mind wanders. I'll be praying, Lord, I'm praying for my mom for her upcoming hip surgery. I remember when I had hip surgery... That, uh, that nurse in the hospital, she sure was sweet. And, uh, oh, sweet. I could sure go for a chocolate chip cookie, right? And that would just be delicious. But you know what would be more delicious? A good steak dinner, right? Oh, steak. Wait. Yeah, there's a lot at steak, Lord. Please pray. I'm praying for my mom, right? <laughs> Am I the only one that this happens to? Because you're going to make me feel bad. if you. <laughs> all right? Um, Let me quote the book, Mr. Groschel, in his book, and this is what he says. Admittedly, when prayer becomes an empty, meaningless ritual, it is boring. But when you remember who you are talking to, when you acknowledge that the God of the universe is honestly, truly excited to hear from you, that truth alone will change your attitude toward prayer. When prayer is just a ritual, when there is no meaning behind it, when we check it off our list of things to get done for the day, guess what? Prayer is boring. When we think that prayer is just about giving God our list of wants, prayer is boring. But when we realize that it is a chance to build a relationship with the God of the universe, who loves us and desires to be a part of our lives, that changes everything. The God that is enthroned in heaven, the God that is above us, the most high God desires to have that kind of relationship with us, that changes everything. Understanding who we are speaking to, And the fact that He desires to hear from us will drive boredom and Christian atheism far from us. So, we have transcendence and imminence. Our second one, we need to understand the Father heart of God. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. We've heard these verses once already today. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this is a prayer that is near and dear to many people's hearts. And there has been many sermons explaining the exemplary nature of this particular prayer. Even breaking it down into different categories, different areas that we can say, oh, this is what he's teaching us about prayer. That we should be asking for forgiveness. That we should be asking and depending on him for our daily needs. We see all those things. You probably in those sermons have also heard the fact that Back in Jesus' day, to a Jew, calling God Father was just the most crazy idea you could have possibly come up with. That would have been almost offensive to Jewish people back then. Um, It would be a lot like if you and I get to go see the queen. Right? We get to go see the Queen, and you being the prim and proper person, when you meet the Queen of England, you do exactly what you're supposed to do. You greet her and you do a little bow and all that kind of stuff because that's what you do when you meet the Queen of England. However, when she gets to me, what do I do? I give her a high five and be like, What's up, Queenie? Right? Okay. Because that's the way the Jews would have seen this. You want us to call God our Father? That's the same thing as just walking up and going, Hey, what's up, Dad? That's crazy. Jesus is trying to help them to understand what God's heart is really like. God's heart is the heart of a father. And it's sad that we have grown so accustomed to this idea of God as our Father that it really doesn't sink into us sometimes. A friend of mine, his name was Eric, um, in my last church, he uh, uh, he was telling me just a story about him raising his kids. This was about the time that they were going to be kind of entering preteenish years and everything, coming out of childhood and starting to enter into that lovely change of life years and what he told me was he hated the idea because when he was when the kids were young they would have basically like a big giant family pile up session on the couch and they'd all snuggle together and talk about things watch movies together whatever but he loved that time with his children he loved that ability to be with them. And he was kind of lamenting the fact that they're getting older, and I kind of know that that's going to change, but I just hope it changes into something different, just as rich, just as sweet, just as wonderful, because I love my kids. God's heart is just the same, but even more so. God loves to have his children crawl up into his lap and just talk. Talk about your day. Talk about your hurts. Talk about your dreams. He loves to hear everything. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The frustrations, the fears, and yes, even the doubts. He loves to hear it all. His heart is the heart of a father. When I was in Michigan, there was a family that lived down the street. Um, That would oftentimes come to visit mom would bring her little four-year-old daughter And they would come and visit for a little while and Sarah was just the cutest funnest little thing We would have all these fun little games that we would do we'd jump and do all kinds of things well one day I thought that I was doing her a service and a favor and we were having some fun so I told her about the zebra that we had hiding in the closet at church So she wanted to find the zebra, so we went looking for the zebra around church. So the zebra's name was Reggie. We went running all over church looking for Reggie, going, Reggie, where are you, Reggie? Okay. We couldn't find Reggie anywhere. Now, I'm thinking that I am tapping into this little girl's imagination. She's going to have a fun story to tell. This is going to be just a blast, all this kind of stuff. Have you ever taken a joke too far? (laughs) When we couldn't find Reggie, I turned to Sarah and said, well, I think maybe you scared him off. Tears just come streaming down this poor little four-year-old's face. She goes running to mom and goes, I scared Reggie away. I wound up giving her... Not the good gift that I thought of having a fun little memory, but a lousy gift because this poor little girl is in tears. Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? You then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. And evidently, I did not at that moment. How much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts to those who ask him? God's heart is not to give us harmful things in response to the things that we ask for. God's heart is to give us good things. Things that will help us. Things that will ultimately make us stronger and better in the end. Sadly, there are a lot of people who feel as if they are bothering God with their requests. You know what? God has so many more important things to deal with. He doesn't need to hear my piddly little junk going on, right? Okay, I'm just going to call it what it is. And if I step on your toes, sorry. Sorry. This is an excuse. It's an excuse hidden by one of two things. Either it is a smokescreen for our control issues, okay? We don't want to turn over control to God because we don't like being out of control. So we believe we can handle it. We got this covered, so why even bother getting God involved? Or... We don't understand the father heart of God, how deeply he loves us, how much he desires to give us good gifts, even if those gifts may look different than what we expect them to. Either way, this excuse that we don't want to bother God turns us into the functional equivalent of an atheist because we are not acting as if God is real, as if he has power, as if he can respond to our prayers. Even if we're professing that we do believe in God, we're acting like we don't. Now, we don't have time to do this part of the topic justice, but the Father heart of God also touches on the area of unanswered prayer. When we understand that God's heart is the heart of a father that desires to give good gifts to his children, it should help us see unanswered prayer in a whole new light. Now, there can be several reasons for unanswered prayer, actually many reasons for unanswered prayer, and we are not going to get to them all because we're staying focused on what we need to stay focused on. But one of the reasons why you may have unanswered prayer is because God has something better in mind. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have not met Miss Wright yet. God and I have had many a conversation over that particular topic. I have not met Miss Wright, but what I can tell you is this. God saved me from one or two wrongs along the way. So, when I see that, what God has done over here, I have to trust that maybe God has something better along the line. Right? Sometimes, we don't receive answers because there is something that God is trying to teach us, something he wants us to learn that we might not learn otherwise. And that might sound kind of tough, depending on the circumstances that gets applied to, but God is looking down the course of our life, and he knows the things that we are, we need to be prepared for. He may realize that this is the only way to prepare you for whatever else is next. So if you recall, last week we spoke about Jesus desiring a different path because he knew how difficult the road to the cross was going to be. God the Father looked through and said, Look, this is the only way. There is no other path. Because salvation for those that we love is on the line. In that period of waiting for an answer, when we understand the Father heart of God what we need to do is press in all the more into God. We may not understand why God has has not or did not answer our prayer the way we thought that he should, but we continue to press into God. And in that process, we discover more of who he is, how much we can trust him, how much we love him, Our relationship with Him grows deeper. And here's the thing a deeper, richer, fuller relationship with God is a gift in and of itself. We cannot allow unanswered prayer to push us into being Christian atheists. The Father Heart of God is the answer to unanswered prayer, His will is what is most important. And here's the thing, which I'm going to hold you all to it now, because we recite this every single week. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Every time we recite that, we are asking for the Father heart of God to rule in our lives and give us the good things that we need, not just the things that we think that we need. We have to grow to trust God's heart, the father heart that he has, because he desires to give good gifts to his kids. Uh, By the way, you will all be happy to know that we did find Reggie, and we did return him to the zoo. And that week, Sarah was going to the zoo. I said, Sarah, look for Reggie when you get to the zoo. And there's a little video on my Facebook page of Sarah finding Reggie at the zoo. Reggie was imaginary. Just say no. The last thing. Last thing we need to understand is the power of God. One idea that turns Christian atheism in our hearts so quickly is this. Our prayers are not going to make any difference. That, or the first thought that ran through my mind as they kid in that circle said hey why don't we pray about this was what's the point the plane's already left in other words it's not gonna make any difference I might as well have walked up to God slapped him in the face and said you can't do it right this was the state of mind that I was in at that moment a few of our students let out in prayer for a way home to be made, and honestly, I can't remember or tell you whether I prayed, whether they prayed, whether I opened or closed, or I can't tell you anything. All I can remember is being really upset with the airlines. So we sat down and we waited for further instructions. Um, I made phone calls to the drivers back in Detroit and just said, hey, we're delayed in uh, Atlanta, we may not even get out, don't bother leaving, etc., etc." Then we hear from the airlines and they say, about 20 minutes later they say, everybody who is supposed to get on this flight, flight such or such a number, please go to this gate. So we got up and we wandered over to that gate. Didn't know exactly what was going on, so I went to go speak to the attendant at the desk. Still quite unhappy about our circumstances. I was told that the plane was coming back to the gate. And we would get back home to Detroit. We'd be late, but we would be getting home that evening. However, they would not let us get on the plane when the plane pulled up to the gate. And they would not let anybody who was on the plane get off the plane. So we were basically just kind of stuck in the terminal, anxiously awaiting the doors to open. Now, let me take you to one last verse. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Did you catch those phrases? God is able to do immeasurably more. You cannot measure how much more God is capable of doing. Amen? He can do more than we ask. Now, I can ask an awful lot. But then he says, and he can do more than we imagine. I can imagine a whole lot more, right? At that moment in the airport I was defeated. I was not trusting in the power of God that I professed to believe in. I was not trusting in his ability to make a way home for us. I could not even conceive in my mind how it would ever happen because I lost sight of the God that I profess. And I dare say that we do the same thing sometimes. We lose sight of the power of God and his ability to change circumstances that seem unlikely or maybe even impossible. We become defeated by our circumstances that are beyond our control and get pushed into this place of Christian atheism by not trusting the power of God to change our situations. Ephesians stands as a reminder that the God that we profess can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. And here's the thing. Our trust needs to be in the God of the scriptures and the way that he revealed himself. So if he revealed himself to be able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine... That's where our trust needs to be, because he is letting us know who he is. Now, people may argue that it was coincidence, but I'm going to tell you that it was providence. What happened in that airport was the pilot who was in that plane was down on hours, now, I don't know. understand all of how it works, but evidently he did not have enough hours. He was trying to get out before and get in the air before his hours ran up. Because once you're in the air, you've got to complete the flight, right? he's going to make his flight all the way to Detroit. Um, so, the pilot... Um, Well, let's do it back up. As he was leaving from the gate, there was such a long line of flights trying to get out that night because Atlanta was at that time vying to be one of the busiest airports in the nation. It now has taken that title, so it certainly had its number of traffic. There were so many people trying to get out on planes that night that he did not make it into the air until after his time had ran up. So whether it's the FAA or whether it is the, uh, the airlines, it doesn't matter, somebody made him come back to the airport and said, you can't fly. And they grounded him, put him back where he was, pulled up to the gate, and they called for another pilot. Two hours later, we were finally permitted to board that plane. Now think about, just for a second, think about what that means, especially if you were here last week and this week. That means if all of my efforts I had made, what I told you about last week, of trying to get us on that plane, that means we would have been in that plane, pulled away from the gate, then told you can't get in the air, pulled back to the gate, and we would have been stuck inside that plane for two hours. Do you think Keith would have been happy over that? I would have been frustrated. and like, why are we stuck here? Let's go. Okay? Instead, where we were stuck was inside the air-conditioned terminal where we could stretch out, do all the things that we like to do or whatever while we waited for the door to open. It might have still been frustrating, but it was a whole lot more comfortable. I can tell you that. Right? Um, I have no doubt that God responded to the faithful hearts of my students that said, let's pray. And you can claim coincidence. However, my experience is, when you get that many coincidences lined up in a row, it's not coincidence, it's providence. It is God providing for you. So think about this. He provided whatever those rules were that kept that pilot on the ground, he provided those. He provided a pilot that was low on time. He provided a line of traffic that prevented this guy to get in the sky. Any other delays that I don't even know about. And he provided a new pilot to get us out that night. God responded in ways that we would never have been able to imagine to ask for. Primary lesson that I learned from my experience on that mission trip how much or excuse me how much and how easy it is to get pushed into behaving like a Christian atheist the best of Christians can get pushed into forgetting who god is and become the functional equivalent of an atheist the thing that has helped me most avoid times like that is knowing and relying on the character of who god is when it comes to worry Remember that God really is sovereign, that he really is in control. Circumstances come that cause me to question or not feel like praying. I go back to God's character. God is far above me. And yet he wants to have this relationship with me. The king of the universe desires to know me father heart of God, is absolutely amazing. And don't get me wrong, I had a wonderful, wonderful father. But to think that God is even greater in his care for me than my dad was, is absolutely amazing. And the fact that God can do more than we can ask or imagine, to a place that I cannot even begin to measure how much more God can do, how can I possibly be a Christian atheist ever again? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thanks so much for your love for us, your care for us. Lord, we thank you that while you are the king of the universe, you still desire to have relationship with us as a group individually, Lord, you desire to love and care for your children. And that is incredible. Father, you have such a wonderful heart for us. You desire to give us good things. Even when good things don't look like what we think they should, we have to trust and understand that you're still giving us good things. And Father, your power is amazing. What you can do is incredible. And we thank you and we praise you for that. Help us to remember those things. As we go through this week, as we walk through life, Lord, help us to remember these things that we want to be fully uh, believing and trusting in who you are and what your character is, and not drop into these moments where we are the functional equivalent of an atheist, not doing the things that we should do because somehow we've dropped out from really, truly trusting you. Lord, help us to always have and build up that trust in you. We ask all of it in Jesus' name. Amen.